0: it's margot tantow here welcome to windowsill chats a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious i am so glad you're here i've spent decades working with artists and being one myself i've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made how to put oneself out there and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Lovely listeners. I am so glad you are here today with me in the windowsill. I have a very cool guest today. Her name is Amy Green Smith, and she is just kind of a badass, if I do have to say so myself. She is a certified and credentialed life coach and hypnotherapist, a very masterful speaker, a smart one a courageous communication expert. She uses her roles as coach, writer, podcaster, and speaker to move individuals to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-worth. With an acute focus on helping people find their voice, she is highly sought after for her uncommon style of irreverence, wisdom, and humor, and has been a featured expert in many places. But let's just start with right here. She really leans into things like Are you a pleaser? Are you lacking in confidence? How does this affect your creative journey? Finding the right words, creating boundaries, cultivating self-worth as an entrepreneur and artist, how to have uncomfortable conversations, all sorts of things that matter, especially right now. So listen in and enjoy this conversation with Amy Green-Smith. You can find Amy at amygreensmith.com. And that's her website and on Instagram. And she has a fantastic podcast as well. And it's called The Bold Faced Truth. So without making you wait any longer, here is Amy Green Smith. Thank you so much for being here, Amy. I'm really excited to learn more about you and all the things you're getting yourself up to.
1: Oh, Margo, thank you for having me. We're going to have a blast. I know it.
0: We are. So I would love to know, and I'm sure the listeners would too, a little bit more about your path as a coach, hypnotherapist, speaker, communication expert, kind of your your leaning into the creative side of that all. Tell me all the things.
1: Well, there was a very common creative thread that kind of landed me in this place. So for a bit of context, let's go back, if you will, go in the way back machine to I don't know. Let's say probably around 05. Um I was in my mid 20s and I basically had a quarter life crisis. And at the time I was working as a makeup artist for a prestige makeup brand. I was a corporate trainer so I was had a very specific jurisdiction and would travel quite a bit. And I remember I had I was in the company car which felt like a ball and chain. And because I just wanted to legitimately work only 40 hours a week instead of, you know, whatever it was that I was doing, plus all the commuting. Hmm. And at the time, there wasn't as strict laws about communicating on the phone while you were driving. So all the time while I was commuting, I would be following up on, we had a very elaborate voicemail system at the time. And so I was communicating with all of my managers and artists and all of that, doing work all the time on the road as well. So all of a sudden, Kelly Clarkson's Breakaway comes on the radio. Uh And it dawned on me that it had been years since I had even given myself the pleasure of listening to music in my car. Oh, wow. Because I was always working and I was hustling and I really got caught in this hustle culture, under the guise of being an artist, mm-hmm. and but working really, really hard for someone else's dream, and so I find myself just scream crying like break away, yeah. right? Oh, and, man. and I've got like false lashes sliding down my face, rivers in my blush, and yeah. I I get back home to my house and I tell my husband. Well, first of all, I walk in and he's like, what, what the fuck happened? Because yeah, you, you died. Because <laughs> I looked like the Joker. Oh, <laughs> He's like, what's going on? And I, I held up my fingers, making a, a small gesture saying, I am this close to completely losing who I am. And I realized that the creative elements that had gotten me so much success in that arena yes. were now really stifling creativity in every other area of my life. And I realized that nothing nothing that I really wanted was stronger. I looked great on paper, but my marriage wasn't healthier. I didn't have richer friendships. Hobbies were non-existent. Mm-hmm. And I'd be, you know, this thing that I loved so much had morphed into me being on lipstick sales spreadsheets at 11 o'clock at night and going, wait a minute, what, what happened? And that really was when I started taking stock of what are the elements that I love about this? And then what are the things that really needed to change? And one of the very crucial pieces for me was I needed an element of creativity. Mm -hmm. I did not want to depend on makeup artistry to be the medium, but I knew whatever I transitioned to, it had to be, there had to be a creative element to it. And I also loved the teaching and the educating and being in front of people and sharing really incredible information, but I just didn't want it to be about contour and highlight and like the latest seasons trends. I wanted it to be about really life-changing, impactful content concepts. And yeah. that's really how I started becoming interested in personal growth and personal development, found the world of coaching, hypnosis, and that has informed the work that I do now. Mm, my
0: goodness. I love that so much. And I think so many people are leaning a little closer to, you know, putting those speak, making sure they can hear what's coming next, because I think so many people are working so hard to do whatever it is, pay the mortgage, feed the kids, feed the, feed the machine. And that creativity that they're hoping sometimes I think people hope it can take over. I, how come I can't lean into that creative career? And maybe you do a little bit, but what often happens is just like you said, sometimes the cre what once was creative turns into just a beast. Yeah. Yeah. And, you.
1: and it can sometimes creep up on you where uh-huh. you don't
0: you don't
1: even realize it. And you know, one of my barometers that I lean on heavily is how I feel emotionally. I feel very, very strongly about emotional intelligence and acuity and is something that I teach quite a bit in my work now. But Usually, our our emotions are simply messaging, and they're going to tell us like, "Hey, there's something awry here," or "Ooh, maybe we need some boundaries around this particular project or with this person." And that has really become such a compass for me. Of okay, I'm really on to something, or I need a rest and I need to recharge. I need to just have white space. I need to be bored, which yeah. can create so much creativity just by being bored. What a yeah. luxury. And also kind of demonized in our culture too, right? It's hustle, hustle,
0: hustle. It's true. I I was speaking with somebody yesterday that says said to me, you know, the, the universe is saying you need to just slow down right now in this time where you feel like you're you should be hustling. You should be getting all these things done. You should be finding that next project. But I couldn't agree more that the real vision, the real creativity, the real sort of personal moments come through when you do give yourself that break in the action.
1: And that is one of the major causes, I think, that we are seeing. Elevated levels of depression, anxiety, autoimmune issues, um, Mm -hmm. because we're burning ourselves out around every corner. And I blame capitalism. (laughs) You know, it is, it's based off of how much can you produce. And then if you're in an artistic space, that that feels unbelievably stifling. So what where does that leave you if we are immersed in a culture that doesn't necessarily foster how most artists thrive? And one of the ways that I kind of looked at that while I was transitioning into a career that had my heart and soul, I looked at my current job when I was working in makeup artistry as funding my escape. Mm
0: -hmm. So instead
1: of it being forever and always, it was going to now be something that was funding this new passion. And switching that perspective was incredibly helpful for me because I think often how It's so easy for me to be the woman that I want to be when I'm having awesome conversations like this or when I'm at a coaching convention or with other hypnotherapists. But my true character is tested when I'm immersed in environments that don't foster me being the woman that I want to be. So I had this incredibly dichotomous experience where on one hand, I was talking about deep-seated fear and how that's evolved and what people-pleasing looks like and perfectionism and all this big, big stuff. And then on the other side, we were looking at, like, what are the trends in mascara for? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was just going, God, this just doesn't fucking matter. And so I I started getting so righteous about it. It's where I... one of the ways I see self-help go wrong, where I felt like I was kind of elitist and better than. And so it became a huge learning experience then to go, okay. And my my partner would often say, how is your character building today? Because <laughs> I had to work extra hard in that environment to show up in a powerful way and be the woman that I wanted to be. So sometimes we look at that struggle as being so adversarial and we can't get through it. But I think
0: that that's where we build the most of our character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it really is those times when you're, when you're shaking your head or tested that, yeah. that it comes through. And you know, we would like it to be easier, and and it's nice when it goes smoothly. But the character is built in those trying moments yeah. for sure. There's you that know, common theme
1: of the breakthrough coming from the breakdown. So. Oh. That's the one thing when I have a breakdown, which there there's always someone, someone they are somewhere around the corner, right? Right. <laughs> and so then I can just hold on, there will be a breakthrough, there will be a breakthrough. It's in service of something.
0: Well, and you know, when we kind of allow ourselves to sit in that, I I know personally, I've done a really good job of compartmentalizing and I'm, I've been working really hard to to shift that. But when we can sit in it, and not just tuck it away somewhere and say, okay, what, what is this going to, what does this mean? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Then, then you really can get somewhere else instead of right. ignoring it, you know, as much as that might not be comfortable. It's, yeah, it's usually a good idea.
1: <laughs> well, we are, I mean, there's a very real reason for that. You know, our, our major human drivers are either the pursuit of pleasure or the avoidance of pain. Mm. And the avoidance of pain is even more of a motivator. So if we are, this is also, by the way, the reason why we compare so much to other people is we are constantly scanning for threat. Mm. Is there a possible pain around any corner? And is there anything I can do to survive this, right? So it's not like we are in a primitive environment where comparison to some one else or another group could actually mean survival for us. Now it just feels like a threat, like, oh, wow, if that person gets published before I do Hmm. or, you know, et cetera, that feels like a threat to us and registers that way. So I think if we also can just understand how the mind works, how we compute threat and recognize that we are always trying to avoid pain. So if we're feeling down, if we're feeling frustrated, if we're feeling overwhelmed, our natural inclination is to run from that feeling. We don't Hmm. want to feel the pain. And oftentimes if we are trying to avoid a, an emotional feeling, we'll try to quell it with a physical feeling. So for example, if we're incredibly overwhelmed, we might search out something like overeating or overdrinking, or even exercise, noble distractions, mm-hmm. something where I can physically feel different mm. instead of addressing the emotional feeling. Mm. Uh, because we can conflate feeling in our culture uh, whether it be emotional or physical yeah so i think just knowing that about about humanity and how we're wired of course we're going to compare we're just looking for threat Uh, of course we're going to run from these negative feelings and how can i fix this because we are always in the pursuit of pleasure and avoidance of pain but knowing that about ourselves and realizing that okay, I'm actually not going to be attacked by a neighboring tribe. I'm not going to be attacked by a mountain lion. I can actually sit here in this discomfort. The only way out is through. Right. And that's, that's
0: typically where the, the, those breakthroughs happen. Mm, So true. And I think, especially for creatives, often we, we get into the comparison thing, or just like you said, oh, that person's already done that, or I'm taking part in a contest or whatever. And I, am I, I just don't feel like posting. It's not good at whatever we tell ourselves, you know, I can't possibly reach out to that company that I'd love to work with because X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I think often we're sitting alone without, you know, even somebody at a table next to you or a desk next to you. And so the, the cyclical circle of negativity can, can take over pretty quickly too, or just, you know, right. fear.
1: That's right. And one of the best antidotes to that is getting it out of your body, whether it is talking to somebody, um, whether it's a coach, a therapist, whatever, or even a trusted confidant speak. I like to say, speak your truth into ears that can hear you. People Mm. who will see your greatest life, see the greatest vision you have for yourself, as opposed to buying into your inner critic, buying into the fear. I remember when I was leaving makeup artistry, I had so many people saying, but you're so good at it, but oh my gosh. But mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm amazing at it. And it doesn't fuel me anymore. But I had one particular coworker who, who responded very much out of her own fear story and would say things like, well, gosh, what are you going to do about benefits and what happens like the, with the recession? Because this was kind of in 08, 09 when I was really building. Mm. And she said, oh, gosh, well, what about this? What about that? And because I was in a fragile, delicate place of growing a business or taking a big, scary step, mm. I had to really be vigilant about who I, who got to hear my story, mm. whose ears were safe to speak my truth into. And I would also offer that to anyone listening. If you are feeling really fragile and in a great way, in in the way that a butterfly is emerging from the cocoon that's incredibly fragile, but still on the path to such beauty, we have to be vigilant about the people that we're surrounding ourselves with. And sadly, sometimes it's the people that we just wish could be the ears that could hear us. It's usually family <laughs> mm-hmm. where we want to turn to them and get the the approval and the go get them, girl. And we
0: don't always get that. So right. being mindful of our community, I think, is huge. I think so, too. I I think that is just key. I, I feel like it comes up when I ask people or do a survey or, you know, what do you need the most or what do you what do you appreciate the most? from, you know, some of my offerings and other people that, that I have on. It's it's that sense of community mm-hmm. because yes, we some of us go to work in a place and have somebody next to us. But that, like you said, is that person the one who you can really speak to about what you're dreaming of and what you're creating? Not necessarily. So who and where are those people? And hopefully we're building places for those as we go. You know, that's what I think your podcast does, I'm sure. And, Mm -hmm. and this one does too. You're like, I I often get people saying, Oh my gosh, I heard myself in that. Or those words that Amy said today really spoke to me. And, and so, you know, glad we're here to be able to, to bring us all together because we need it too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, something
1: to kind of piggyback on this concept of community if you follow the work of Dr. Brene Brown, she talks all the time about how we are wired for connection, whether we're introverted, whether we're, you know, doesn't matter any of that. We we are wired for connection. And, and if we look back to our primitive ancestors again, that was because there was no survival by mm. being by yourself. Mm. So even if we look now at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of our primary human needs is for one of belonging.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: so no wonder now, as we've evolved as humanity, we still have those pulls to people, please, or be a perfectionist because we think, okay, as long as I'm not voted off the island, Right. right, as long as I'm accepted by my peers or by this community, then I might be okay, but the problem happens is when we're knocking on the wrong doors, or we're looking for community in a place that's showing us that they're not able to care for us or hold us. Yeah. and there's grief involved in that too. I think sometimes. I totally. Uh, oftentimes.
0: Agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and 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 often we're like, well, how do I how do I get out of it? How do I find that next thing? And I I'd love to dig into a little bit more specifically of the work that you do because I feel like it's yeah. powerful and. I love that you've been doing it as long as you can. You have because I think that your thirty thousand foot view must be pretty clear. I love that, and I want. I'll circle back to the fear because we already touched on that a little bit. Um, you have you often discuss the science between for the four fear responses. Yeah. How do you yeah. think that these four fear responses hold hold people back in their creative pursuits? For example. And what are some things they can do to overcome those challenges, be it breaking out of that group, being putting it, being it, put their work in front of people or, or just whatever that might be. I'm sure you've come across this over and over again.
1: Yeah. And even as you're speaking, I'm going, oh yeah, there's two fear responses that I think show up probably a little more intensely or people would go, oh yeah, that's definitely me. So let's just break those down quickly. Essentially, we have four primitive fear responses. We've all heard fight, flight, freeze. And then fawn is a little bit newer in the conversation, which is basically if you were to be attacked by a mountain lion, let's say, you might go here, kitty, 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 kitty. Here's some meat. Go over there. It's basically (laughs) placating or acquiescing to an aggressor in order to survive. And we've seen this in plenty true crime episodes and things where people survived by placating. Yes. Um, That's a fawning response. Okay. They all have modern iterations, though, because there's so much of the time that we're responding to fear, we're responding to stress in our life, but we're not actually about to lose our life, Mm -hmm. but it feels like that. So our fight response has now a modern iteration of anxiety. That's how that shows up. Flight response, the modern iteration, is... Uh, depression, which is often why you see folks who, who are struggling with depression, who will just go to sleep for a Mm. long time, like Mm. fleeing, get me out of here. But the two that I think are the most applicable to our conversation here are freeze. Mm. Freeze is directly connected to procrastination. And so often we procrastinate because of perfectionism. Or because of what other people will think about us. Think about how many great ideas you've had for a new book, a new painting, a new piece of jewelry. And you had to take five jewelry making courses before you <laughs> let yourself get going. Right. Let uh, uh, me freeze. Yeah. And so we're, we're in action, but we're not really making any progress. <laughs> we're circling. That's right. So freeze Knowing that when we're in a procrastination place, which by the way, we procrastinate for a myriad of different reasons. It's not always perfectionism. Sometimes it's just sheer labor. That mm-hmm. if if there's labor involved, whether it's emotional, physical, or otherwise, it's it feels always more attractive to just zone out and watch Netflix or something. Yeah. So recognizing that, okay, if I am procrastinating, can I do a quick check-in and say, am i super attached to perfectionism right now mm. does it am i looking to attain some sort of level that isn't even possible before i even get out there
0: mm.
1: and and it and also recognizing that it is a safety mechanism we are trying to stay safe the mm-hmm. brain is saying oh, we know how to play small. We know how to talk shit to ourselves. We know how to not put ourselves out there. And even though that's uncomfortable, it's known. The brain goes, that's safe because I know how to do that. I know how to hide. But if you now need to put yourself out there, the brain goes, ooh, I don't know. We've never done that before. That registers as unsafe. Send in all the fear responses. Mm -hmm. So checking in with yourself and going, wait a minute, Am I thwarting my own process because I am so attached to an ideal that may not exist? And then working with motivators, like a handful of statements that I'll use around that is uh, done is better than perfect Mm -hmm. or or finish it now, finesse it later, Mm. because that gives me the option to go back and create even more. And I like that idea. I do too. You know, there's the great, like a year from now, you're going to wish you started today. Yes. (laughs) Like those are always great. But the other fear response is that I think is applicable here is Fawn. And Mm. Fawn, modern iteration, is people pleasing. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: this can be your family who doesn't think that you have a quote real job that you want to kind of acquiesce to them. Uh, this could be a partner that you're with who just doesn't quite get what you do, that you try to shapeshift or you try to even fit your specific art into a specific art community for yes. acceptance. Yeah. So big one. recognizing when might we be putting other people's thoughts, opinions, needs, dreams above our own. And all of that is tethered to enoughness or worthiness, which is one of the most pivotal pieces of work that that I do in the world now. Um, Because this all comes back to that, right? Like, am I enough? Am I worthy? Am I valuable? Is my work valuable? And what I have found consistently is when you are anchored into your own worthiness Everything else in your life gets easier. Your friendships get easier. Your creativity gets easier. And it's, but we don't think that. We think, okay, as soon as I launch my business, as soon as I get a business partner, Mm. as soon as I get, we don't, we look at everything external as opposed to figuring out that, oh, I hold the key. Mm. When I acknowledge my own value and my own worth, everything beyond that becomes much, much more manageable.
0: I love that. I wrote down anchor into your own worthiness. You hold the key. Yeah. It's so easy to forget that or to be in that cyclical. I need to, I need to understand this first. I need to understand, you know, do that first. And I think people pleasing. That's so, I hadn't heard it linked to the fawn response. And that makes such good sense. I love how clear you clearly you described those. Um, And then, so what advice do you have for combating those people-pleasing tendencies and prioritizing our own needs without that guilt or the fear of it? Yeah, this is, I'm so glad you asked that. There's, there's one sort of
1: rubric question that I think is really helpful to use at the beginning, because People-pleasing, like perfectionism, like comparison, is not always a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I identify as queer. If I'm in an environment that is clearly aggressive towards Mm. the queer community, that's probably my time to be a little bit more of the people-pleaser. Like, in order for me to stay safe, right, to physically be alive, Um, And that is exponentially worse for other marginalized identities. So if you find yourself in a fat body, and I say that through a reclamation lens, using that Mm -hmm. word through a reclamation lens, Mm -hmm. um, black or brown body, disabled body, female or a femme body, like then we're, we're naturally having to worry about our own safety. So the first question is always, am I in danger yeah. Or is this just new? Because again, mm-hmm. the mind, anytime something is new, it will register as alert, alert. Are you sure? Are you sure yeah. we can start this business? Are you sure we can do this art opening? <laughs> are you sure? Sh- uh, right? And that's that's where we go, oh my gosh, the second guessing, the inner critic, which is basically the voice of fear comes in and wants to tell you all the reasons why you suck and it's not going to go well and why how cute you think you can start your little <laughs> business, right? <laughs> it comes in just screaming at you. Yeah. So I think we have to recognize that fear is going to be present no matter what. And sometimes it's there to tell us abort mission. And then sometimes it's just telling us, hey, it's just new. And so we're on high alert. Mm. And so asking yourself that question first, um, because there there may be situations where people pleasing is being called for. Mm -hmm. But I would also venture a guess that far more often than not, we're actually not in any type of danger. It is just new, and that's scary. Another task that you can take on too is to take a little inventory on when and with whom you complain the most or complain the most about, Mm. because most of the time we will be vocal about someone that we're frustrated with but we'll tell it to the wrong person. So if I'm upset with my spouse, maybe it's my bestie who gets an earful, or if I'm really pissed at my mom, maybe it's my therapist who gets the earful, but I'm not actually bringing up the grievance with the person who can actually rectify it. So usually if it's a chronic complaining, I'm not talking about just needing to vent or clear some energy. Of course we all need that. I'm talking about a habitual complaint about someone or their actions where it's easier for you to just vent to someone else. So I'll stop there because that's...
0: (laughs) Hey there, Windowsill Chats listeners. This is your host, Margot, and I'm here to share some new and exciting opportunities with you. Do you want to dive even deeper into the conversations we have in the Windowsill? Well, I have got a treat for you. In case you missed it, we launched our very own Patreon channel a couple of months ago, and our community continues to grow and evolve every day, and it's the perfect way for you to get involved and support the continuation of these thought-provoking conversations. Joining our Patreon community allows you to be a crucial part of what we do here and take windowsill chats to the next level. Now I know what you're thinking, there must be a cost to this, but hold on a sec, guess what? For less than the cost of a single coffee a week, you can become a proud member of our Patreon family. Yep, for just $5 a month, you can support this podcast and ensure that these conversations will continue to be heard. Our Patreon community is where the magic happens. Not only will you get exclusive behind the scenes content, early access to new episodes and bonus conversations with special guests, but you'll also be able to connect with other like-minded listeners who share your passion for artistry, creativity and learning. By joining Patreon, you're making sure that these conversations keep flowing and I can continue to bring you the diverse perspectives and insights you've come to love. Your support directly impacts the quality and frequency of these episodes, and I couldn't do it without you, truly. So if you believe in the power of ideas and the beauty of human connection, I invite you to check out our Patreon page today. Simply head over to patreon.com backslash in the windowsill or just search in the windowsill and select the membership tier that best suits you. Remember, it's less than the cost of one coffee a week, but the impact you'll make is truly immeasurable. Thank you for being part of our incredible community and helping us keep these conversations alive and thriving in the windowsill. Your support means the world to me and I can't wait to see you over on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com in the windowsill. So, okay, I'm gonna ask another question. Your coaching style is often described as irreverent, wise, humorous, how does this unique approach help your clients, especially those chronic people pleasers, find their voice and build their own self-worth? Because I think, I don't know, for me, I grew up with a lovely people pleaser, and so I try to find my own way in that as well because that's, you know, I I have that, I come by that naturally. So Sure. How does that your style kind of yeah, help your clients?
1: Well, it's really interesting that you bring that up because when I very first started creating my business, people there there weren't Let's just say there was a lot of stones and waterfalls and a lot of imagery like that. And, you know, the person standing on the hill with their arms open, just so many possibilities. You didn't see a lot of coaches who were cussing or talking about really difficult things that they had gone through. And and we've seen a huge shift in that.
0: Yeah, thankfully. But
1: I truly feel like the more authentic you are the more likely you are to attract the like-minded people. And I realized very quickly that being vanilla was not going to work for me. And I wanted to genuinely show people that you can be all of who you are. You Mm. can love roomy and you can love platform shoes at the same time. (laughs) You can be passionate about... You know, you can be passionate about what's happening in Gaza and really like the reruns of the office. Like there's so much to who we are. And and I also genuinely believe that vulnerability and doing that in a safe way, because that's another one that's not always safe to do.
0: Right.
1: But being vulnerable with other people and for everyone listening, that's also with your work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You will you're able to create so much more healing by being that way. Mm -hmm. So for example, I remember going to some therapists early in my adulthood who were so stoic and didn't really share much about what was going on with them. And, and I felt like I was just this basket case to be observed sitting on the couch. Yeah. And now I think about that a lot in, and also Brene has a lot of Support research around this as well that when we are actually able to practice vulnerability again in safe containers, we can foster so much more growth. Mm -hmm. And I love that I have that freedom in the coaching modality as well, where I'm not held to any rigorous standards. So, I mean, I shouldn't say that there are some rigorous standards, but I can also be myself and I can cry and I can tell them I love them. And That is not what a lot of coaches are going to think is acceptable, but I truly believe that that is what heals. Um, When people have met me where I am and have said I have walked in your shoes in this same situation, the companionship and the trust that's created, I think is just off the charts. So, I I try to really keep that in the forefront. I also tend to attract a lot of folks who are survivors of religious trauma mm. or who suffer with anxiety mm. uh, because I'm super open about my journey with both of those things. Mm-hmm. So, I find that that's also incredibly helpful for me because the teacher becomes the student over and over and over.
0: And when you feel like you're speaking or or being heard by someone who can really relate to what you're going through, it it's just a whole nother level. I I really appreciate that. I do think it's hard to know how to, and I'm going to say it this way, it might sound funny, but get started in being more vulnerable, you know, because I feel like for many reasons, we show up a certain way, um, generationally, societally, appropriately, Mm -hmm. where we work, whatever it is. So how do you recommend like, Tapping into that? Ooh.
1: First, first item of business is you have to be, you have to feel safe with whoever you're practicing vulnerability with. Mm. So it's not that you just take on this arbitrary personal development exercise for the hell of it. It is in order to foster intimacy. So that is one of the things that we don't always quite understand. We want intimate connections with people, but we're like, you be vulnerable first. I'll <laughs> I'll go after you, <laughs> but but we don't. And so we approach relationship or our art like with, well, I'm only going to let you see me this much, right? And we're going to have all these walls build up. But that's also directly equivalent to the amount of intimacy we get to experience. Mm-hmm. So if you want rich, intimate connections with your friends, your family, your intimate partner or partners, that's going to require some vulnerability. But we first have to gauge, is this someone I'm safe practicing this with? Right. And it's that'll be very telling. The other thing is, is we don't have to jump into the deep end. We don't have to tell somebody our entire life story. Right. Essentially all vulnerability is is being transparent about what you feel mm. in any given moment. That's it. I mean it's not that difficult, but a, you could have a vulnerable statement that is still really guarded, something like if let's say let's say you've been having a really difficult time with a, an art exhibit that you have started and you're a painter and you want to get out there and That you thought you had a show planned, and then they were going to pull your stuff, and it was just devastating. It was really difficult. You go to a family function, and some somebody who you're not that close with in your family wants to dig into it, wants to talk about it, like, "Oh, what happened with your art opening?" And Mm. so, in that moment, a vulnerable—if you felt vulnerable, vulnerability was safe—you could say something like, "Thank you so much for asking." to be really honest with you, it's been quite difficult and I'm not not really ready to talk about it. I hope you can respect that. So mm. you're not really talking about the whole thing, right. about how big of a deal it is, but you're just leaning into that vulnerability slightly to say, hey, I'm having a tough time navigating it, so I need to put pause. You can pair vulnerability with a boundary.
0: Yeah. And
1: you know that's sort of an example of how to do it.
0: I love that. I feel like many times we struggle to find the right words, especially in challenging situations. And I was listening one of the po- your podcasts I was listening to was um, one about powerful communication hacks And then yeah. there was another one I wrote like just that I wrote down something you had said it was just state your current emotional state when you when yeah. you're starting to talk to somebody. And I thought that was super interesting as well. Just yeah. you know, a cue on if you don't know where to start, start there. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I was looking at the funniest meme yesterday um, and it was this gal and her husband or her partner, or whatever was sitting, he was gaming and he had headphones on and she came, and she was so uncomfortable and Hey, favorite guy, you know, how, how do you feel about maybe helping me clean the house? It, it was, she's a comedian and it was fantastic yeah. how she did it. But it was, I was like, Oh my gosh. I do that. I do that. Like, how can I look like this is gonna be like, hey, have some ice cream and cake and let let's have a fun time, you know, instead of just saying, yeah. I'm having a difficult time with X. This is where I am. I would like to communicate about it. You know, it's just it, yes, it did make me laugh and cringe at the same time. <laughs> I like to call that selling false goods mm. where
1: where you're trying to pretend that this
0: is a fun, exciting
1: thing to do when really just being forthright can be so incredibly helpful. And also for a bit of perspective, like a meta view, I would be willing to bet if I were to ask everyone listening, what type of people do you want to attract in your life? You're not going to say a bunch of fucking liars, ple- people people pleasing me yeah, or no. smoke up my ass. You're going to say, <laughs> I want to be around like-minded people who are authentic, transparent, who I can be myself around. Yeah. And if you're familiar at all with the work of uh, Melissa Urban of Whole30 fame. She -hmm. does a lot of work on boundaries now. And she talks about how when people are boundaried or when they're very clear about what's happening with them or what their request is of you, how safe you feel with those people. Mm -hmm. Because they're not doing a song and dance and trying to gussy up their request. They are genuinely just, hey, here's where you are with me and here's what I need. and. You know, going back to kind of some tangible things that people could do, I would highly suggest getting your hands on two things, actually. One is an emotions wheel. You can order them on Amazon. You can get pillows made with them. Uh, But just to give you more acuity around what emotions are. Mm. The second is Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And this is essentially a vade mecum or a reference manual of, I want to say it's like 82 or 83 different emotions and human experiences. Mm. So what she did was she, I think it was 7,000 ish folks who participated in a survey. And she said, how many emotions can you name on average? What do you think, Margo? Oh gosh. Do you Ten. think three, three really glad, mad and sad. Oh. And so her framework was if we're working with such limited vocabulary and acumen around our emotional capacity, how yeah. the hell are we going to advocate for ourselves? We don't how even get hell... beyond four letter words there. That's right. So <laughs> think about situations where maybe you're super frustrated with a partner and all you have access to is anger. And yeah. when you peel behind that anger, it's a feeling of disrespect or of inequity or of distance or of longing or of there's so much other stuff that when we have the understanding of what we're feeling, we can better advocate for our own needs. So I do think that can also be helpful in this whole assignment of just state where you are. It's been incredibly helpful in my marriage for us to both say, you know what, instead of me saying you're irritating,
0: right. I
1: will say I'm irritable. Like I claim my, oh. I claim my emotional space uh-huh. so that I can take care of myself and don't depend on everyone else to do that. Right. So And this could be really helpful if you're still working a day job that pisses you the fuck off and then you want to try to create, right? It's like, we need to expel and work through that emotion so that we can access our creativity.
0: Oh, so good. So good. So good. I, yeah, I just think it's so important to realize that it's okay to kind of claim where you are, you know, and cultivate that self-worth, those people that can help you with that I think especially in the creative space well I don't know self-worth is just one thing but like letting yourself feel like you're you're worthy of being there is right. a trick is a tricky one
1: it is this is another another place where we cannot ignore the messages that we've received throughout our life that are rooted in capitalism that are rooted in patriarchy so I took a course on social justice uh the summer that george floyd was murdered Mm -hmm. and i learned about how so much of what's happening in our culture and our world is directly related to personal development and worthiness Mm -hmm. and if you're looking at systems of oppression they thrive on the oppressed party continuing to believe that they are not enough give me chills so it is one of the biggest Use to the patriarchy mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. in the midst of everyone who puts male above female, or we have to put Mister, you know, when we're writing instead of mm-hmm. Ms. Right, and yeah. all of these different ways that we see that that is a way for us to to really power powerfully resist on an individual level. So I think about that all the time. Like I have to instill worthiness in the people that I meet because our world depends on it. This is for the sisters. This is for our daughters. This is for this is for our sons. This is for the entire change to the planet. Yeah. And one of our small contributions that we can make is actually believing in our own worth in the middle of a system who tells us that we're less than.
0: Mm. Yes. <laughs> and I think... <laughs> we've got a little little meta there. (laughs) We've come back to that a couple of times, believing in our self worth. You know, I think find that mantra that reminds you of that. Find that quote. You have some resources Mm -hmm. that are so good and valuable and so many fantastic podcast episodes. I want to, I know where, where our time keeps going, but there's so many things I want to (laughs) know. Hey, creative friends. If you're a lifelong learner like me, when a new year starts, you are probably looking for a new creative adventure. If you're looking for one that will take your creativity to new heights, let me recommend Beth Buffington's online course, Learn the Art of Procreate. Procreate is an amazing app for drawing and painting on your iPad. It will explode your creativity to new heights. With Procreate's portability, you can draw and paint with the messiest art supplies anywhere, the car, the park, your couch, the airport, because it's all in your lap on your iPad. And Beth's class will teach you how to get your artwork out of your iPad and into the world, onto products, or prepped for that dream licensing agent. You'll discover that you can take your creative business or side hustle to places you didn't know were possible. Here's a quote from one of Beth's visionary Procreate students. I have had the most remarkable summer. I thought I was signing up for a class about the ins and outs of Procreate, but it was so much more than I could have ever imagined. I was able to learn more about marketing my artwork and taking my illustration career to the next level. I can't thank Beth enough for her encouragement, kindness, and support. I've never had someone see my work so clearly and inspire me to be bold and take a leap. Thank you, Beth. You've changed my life forever. So if you're curious about really learning Procreate, join Beth Buffington for her online course, Learn the Art of Procreate. Enrollment opens on January 22nd and class begins on January 31st. And join Beth for one of her six free Procreate workshops in January. To get all the dates and registration info, go to wwwbdi dot today backslash windowsill. I'm going to say that one more time. www.bdi-create.today backslash windowsill. If you check out the Create Today site before enrollment begins, just hop on the wait list for special gifts. Just imagine what you could create today with Procreate. So <laughs> to hypnotherapy, that's yeah. something that you do too. And I'm, sh- I, I'm just fascinated on about how how you how you thread that through your work as well. Well, you made a lovely segue and didn't even realize it. The
1: <laughs> essentially changing beliefs, which mm-hmm. is from I'm not enough to one of I am enough, or whatever the semantics are, that happens in our subconscious mind. So the yeah. the mind, the theory of mind essentially is that the conscious faculty of the mind takes roughly of the mind's
0: power
1: Mm -hmm. 90% of our mind's power is our subconscious Mm -hmm. beneath our consciousness so and that's where our beliefs are held in the conscious part of the mind we have logic we have reason we have rationale we have willpower Mm. willpower also fatigues just like a muscle that's why yes. in the very in the morning you're like i'm gonna do all these things i'm gonna paint i'm gonna do my jewelry and then by the end you're like oh it. i'm not doing anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah. willpower fatigues so but there are so many bigger driving fast uh um facets that are housed in the subconscious mind value systems our beliefs um our knowns, our unknowns. So most of the time what happens is we develop a positive association with people pleasing or perfectionism early on in our youth. Something Mm -hmm. like, it can be as simple as you had an abusive caregiver or parent and you learned that flying under the radar, making sure they were always okay, kept you safe. And now you've adopted that into your your latter years. Mm. So what we are able to do with hypnosis, that's different than being in a complete awakened state is when you go into hypnosis, which all that is, is a slowing down of the brain waves. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's not woo-woo, it's not crazy. We it's very natural. We go through it when we go to sleep and when we wake up every single day, all mm-hmm. of us. Um, if you've ever driven somewhere and you got to your destination, but you don't <laughs> remember the drive. You were in a hypnotic trance. It's just a slowing down of the brainwave state. Well, Mm -hmm. right in between the conscious and the subconscious is the inner critic, the critical factor of the mind. And Mm -hmm. it's checking for congruence between what's coming in, what you're computing consciously and what you believe subconsciously. This is also why Positive affirmations don't always work for people because they're doing it consciously. That inner critic goes, Hell no, that's not what's down here in the sub. Hell that's no, get that out of here. Mm-hmm. And then then we throw in the towel and we stop working like nice with repetition. Try. Right. Mm-hmm. In hypnosis, when you are in a theta brainwave state, that little inner critic goes to sleep. And so you are much more able to drop in new beliefs into the subconscious mind much faster because the brain is an open vessel and there's, I think of the inner critic almost like a little pit bull, like a little pity that's just trying to make sure everything stays the same. (laughs) And then we're just like, here's a little treat why don't you go to sleep? And it just curls up and goes to sleep and then you can get your work done. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I love it as a medium. Um, and so what we we do, and I have one a main signature program that I run once a year, it's called Worthy. And we target it from all angles. We target it from both the conscious faculty of the mind, as well as the subconscious. And we look at behavior, we look at environment, we kind of look at a holistic view of it. Um, but I find when you're able to access both parts of the mind you're able to create change a lot quicker
0: Mm, so cool that's so interesting I have not heard it explained that way and how helpful if we can get there you know yeah I
1: I mean it's that inner critic is the same is the same part of you that when you're walking to your car at night goes ooh maybe maybe we should hold our keys in between our fingers right maybe yeah. we should have the pepper spray ready it's still it's fighting for the things that it already knows are unsafe mm-hmm. and so if being confident has never been safe for you it's probably going to give you a shit ton of kickback yeah one of the other things that can absolutely change a belief like I'm not worthy or not enough, um, is repetition. Mm. But because the kickback from that inner critic is so strong, mm-hmm. we usually don't follow through on the repetition because it feels like such a bold-faced lie. Uh, yeah. So the key is, so I have a tool that could be quite helpful, and I call it progressive language. Okay. It's where instead of going, I am worthy, mm-hmm. we, put, we preface it with something like, I'm exploring what it feels like to be worthy or I'm reinventing my relationship to myself or um, I'm questioning my relationship with perfectionism, right? Like where we're we're saying we're ac- in action and that's also like a little treat to the pit bull where it goes, mm-hmm. all right, you can say that a few times and I'm not going to bark at you. Right. That's all right. It's more palatable. That's what we're, we're always trying to find the right greenie.
0: To just let <laughs> put that yeah. little dog to sleep. <laughs> well, and your inner critic's like, oh, I could handle that. That's right. Point of view. That's right. You know, that's not as direct, but it's it's going to get me there. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, it's so important to kind of understand those practices and mind sh- mindset shifts. Did I say that right? Mind shifts. Yeah. <laughs> mindset shifts that w- we as Humans, artists, business owners adopt. We can adopt to kind of just get us out of that, enhance our sense of self worth, and and move us forward in the in the way in the direction that we want to go. It's yeah, those are so helpful. And you have I love that you call these things free sources on your site. Yes, (laughs) tell us a little bit about about those.
1: Well, as you mentioned, I have a back catalog of nearly 500 episodes on my podcast. The first eight years of it, my husband was my sidekick wow. and the quote voice of the people he liked to say. Um, and and yeah, I have tons of info over there. Lots of the stuff that we've talked about today, I have deep yeah. dives on some of those topics. And if you scoot over to amygreensmith.com. And all of those names are spelled the very basic bitch way. <laughs> Nothing no exciting. I don't even have an extra E on the end of green. It's just <laughs> Amy green Smith, um, dot com. Yeah, you'll see the free sources tab that I have a free hypnosis track that's all around anxiety and fear. It's a little more visually minded. So if you tend to not have as much visual acuity, as much as maybe auditory or kinesthetic, it might not hit home as much, but if you are a visual, it can be really helpful. And I have a free workbook for you all called Speak Up for Yourself Without Being a Dick. And that has nine different actions, challenges you can you can employ in order to cultivate self-worth and self-confidence. So uh and then I always say like any self-respecting Gen Xer, I hang out on Instagram the most. Um, you can f- find me pretty much
0: anywhere on social under the handle Hey Amy Greensmith. So come hang out. Say hello. Oh great. I want to circle back to your podcast for a second because that is an insane amount of time and resources. <laughs> and and I mean in, in a good way. And I Have great respect for that. Only have done been doing this three years, but every week, weeks come by very quickly. That that next Wednesday when mine (laughs) drops, oh my gosh, look at that's Wednesday. Um, so I just I really love what you put out there because I quickly in looking just not even very far back in your library, was like, oh, I need to stop and listen to that and listen to this. And you speak on your own. I didn't get back to as far as your husband yet, but and you have interviews that are super interesting and i just yeah. you know kudos for that because it is it's a it's a thing and you put there's a mm. lot of great info and i know um like i just was like oh i have to follow that right away because i'm a mm. i i really do listen to a lot of podcasts i do listen to a lot of true crime to be oh girl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean really a lot um, it's too much but yeah. you're in there <laughs> you're in there now because I, I I need to oh. you know sprinkle it in with some other some other good things oh I'm so grateful I'm really so grateful to hear that
1: uh total caveat about true crime Excellent. I heard I heard a gal speculate that one of the reasons why true crime has such an overwhelmingly devout, Female following mm-hmm. is because it's one of the only pieces of media that accurately reflects the fears that women have just operating in our society. Oh, We're yes. not right. I have. To I was laugh. like, oh, holy shit, that's absolutely yeah. true. Because it's not like victims are are gussied up to be perfect and flawless the way we see in media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. It's that these are real people with real experiences and real fear of living in our culture. So So
0: real. And we and and the more you listen to it, which I listen to it a lot, I just like, oh my gosh, how does anybody navigate anything? It's yeah. it's there's a lot. The whole victim thing is so, oh my goodness, our our legal system is. Lord, it's yes, just, there's, I just makes, it gives me such empathy for, you know, you hear one story and I, i listened to this. I'm not somebody who has been through. There's so much right. trauma that, that so many of us have been through. And I imagine I put myself in some of my people I know shoes and think like, what if, how do they feel when they're listening to something like this? Yeah. I'm listening to it as a story. I'm not listening to it as a survivor, right. but so many people are, and that's gotta be just very I don't know yeah. the word humbling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's mixed, mixed feelings about, about that too. Being mm-hmm. uh, like the Dahmer documentary or uh, actually not documentary show that mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. they didn't consult any of no, the victims of the and, and the families. And, and so there's, there's situations like that where I'm like, okay,
0: that no, needs to we, <laughs> yeah, we need I- to. I feel like there's a little bit of a line because, uh, true crime is, I don't know, so popular and, Mm -hmm. and you can, you can get a whole lot of listeners very quickly. If you're doing that, I, even in the New York times this weekend, last weekend, there was a article about a couple of podcasters that you could tell the way they were doing it was to, to further their own popularity and they, and not that of the family or their survivors. And anyway, uh, we yeah. digress but I yes, do. We do, i'm but... so into well, i'm sure we could go into particular cases and go on for another <laughs> couple <of> hours <laughs> I, and then a new podcast was born i was just thinking maybe we should have a two-camera <laughs> podcast i know oh my gosh well um i would love to know who's inspiring you these days you've share of who's who you're leaning into
1: gosh there's a handful um brene always like i'm such a fan girl um, yeah, so awesome and And, you know, I've been really struck by, I've been following different uh, private journalists and activists who are Mm -hmm. really on the front lines and dealing with stuff in Gaza. Mm -hmm, And when I see the humanitarian aid Mm -hmm. and the journalists who who are losing their lives and their families' lives, and I'm just, that courage and bravery and conviction just inspires inspires me to no end. Oh Um, And then I would have to say, I just got back from a retreat with with my worthy women
0: Mm. and
1: we do two retreats over the nine month container that we're together. Mm. And I am so incredibly inspired by them. I'm Mm -hmm. inspired by their stories. And I, I have to say so many of the women in my life, I feel that way about. Yeah. And th- I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Valerie Rain, but she wrote a book called Patriarchy Stress Disorder and wow. coined this term that's basically like, hey, surviving in a patriarchal culture blows everyone yeah. and we're feeling the effects of it. So I would say women inspire me
0: mm. and
1: and the select few good men who are standing up um, listening I'm, right now and fortunately married to one. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, I think those are my big key inspiration points these
0: days. I have so much respect for those that you mentioned for sure. I I you you we mentioned Gaza early on. It's like, how do you balance this and that and this and that? And I yeah, I know for me that's one of the things where especially I, I hate to even say in the beginning, and that it's still so desperately all the all of it is going mm-hmm. on, you know, like I want to, I don't feel like putting Something that's not talking about that up or how do you know how do you how do you kind of go on and I yeah or show up in the way that you're you can't stop everything but I think it's just like you said paying attention to those people who yeah. are sharing news um, from that all areas there and and understanding what people's concerns are from all mm-hmm. sides and just supporting our friends and. Yeah. So I appreciate that very much. And just other, those of us that are in the same place, trying to, trying to make it happen, the women and the good men, you know, just fighting the good fight. (laughs) And, and so I do appreciate that. And I love that uh, you're worthy women. I just um, finished a beautiful three month mastermind myself and Mm. the, there to have a safe place right now to be authentic is such a gift and i'm so proud of the women that walked through that together and those that are that are doing that with you and yeah. um and here's to more of that you know yeah
1: it would be easy to go along it's so much easier to just not fight um and so that blows me away the amount of bravery and courage it takes to fight for what's right to fight for your own worthiness to fight for equality um, equity, all of that stuff. To me, it's changes built on women's courage. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I'm blown away by women. We fucking rock. <laughs>
0: yeah. <I do>. <laughs> <laughs> Here's to that. With yeah. that word, like go communicate strongly with someone, go, go yes. believe in yourself a little have a little, you know, vulnerability yes. and uh, transparency, and we'll be right there supporting you along the way. For sure. Ah, Thank you, Amy, for being here. I just loved talking to you today and, and I can't wait to learn more and listen to more and we'll just keep it going. I am so honored, Margo.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Absolutely.
0: Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.